Welcome to Alternative Talk, where we focus on real life, everyday people who are positively affected by cannabis. We'll be speaking to patients, advocates, and professionals keeping you informed on the latest trends and advancements in the medical cannabis industry, bringing quality of living to life. Real stories from real people spreading the real truth about cannabis. Now, here's the host of Alternative Talk, Bear Savon. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening in. It is a special uh, show today. It's a lucky number seven episode. Uh, never in my dreams thought that I'd be doing a podcast. And here I am today with our special guest. Um, special guest is Adela Falk. Uh, did I say that last name correctly, Adela? All right. Thank you. So thank you for coming on the show. And, um, you know, PO, uh, W420, we, um, you know, welcome you guys and thank you for being on the show. Um, Adela, could you tell us a little bit more? I mean, you know, POW420, what is that? Is that an organization of some type, a nonprofit, I would say? Um, yeah, we're actually a partnership, but we operate on a not-for-profit basis. Um, our mission and our goal is to simply spread the message about people that are incarcerated for cannabis giving them a platform to share their story that's not such a negative view. Um, the media, a lot of arrests are from the DEA, and they release their own articles. And um, anybody who's ever sat in a judicial system knows that the real true story isn't all the way out there. So we try to share the messages of people in prison for pot and give their addresses and hope that people will um, take action and pick up a pen and pencil and write to a pot prisoner. Wow, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, my first thoughts is when I hear the word marijuana, weed, uh, cannabis, or jail, that's definitely not in the same sentence or paragraph that I like to speak about or say. You know, it's a lot of individuals that's been incarcerated. Um, I personally, you know, um, wouldn't want that to see to anybody or even myself, you know, as a you know single uh, parent. Um, you know, my oldest daughter lives with me. Um, hate to see anybody, any kind of, you know, judicial, uh, you know, system. Um, definitely not a great place. Uh, so you said that you take individuals' information and you actually contact them, or how does it work? Yeah. So you know, you know, as you said, it is. I am. T- I tend to be the downer Debbie of a situation, talking about the the down part of um, prohibition. I mean, prohibition itself is bad, but really talking about the nitty gritty um, about people's lives and livelihood and their children. Um, so when I see an article of somebody that's been arrested for cannabis. There's a couple of tools that I use, a couple of websites like Vine Links. That's a national database where I can find any inmate that's in a state prison or jail. And then I use the BOP, which is the Bureau of Prisons.gov, um, which is another federal web page that lets me know anybody who may be incarcerated federally. So um, once I find them, I find their jurisdiction, and I look them up. And if I, get, if I can find their address, I write to them, and I create a correspondence. And every time they write back to me, I scan their letter and I upload it so people can see what it's like reading letters from people that are actually in prison for pot, hearing their side of the story. And it actually says that they're in there just for pot? Um, yeah, I have cannabis-only offenders that are in there. Um, a couple of them are habitual offenders. So some may have had some um, uh, past uh, things, like uh, I have a, a, a person who had been in there he had a juvenile record for selling pot, and that's not supposed to be used in a federal court or any sort of court as an adult, but it was used, and he's now serving quite a bit of time for it. So um, it's only cannabis-only offenders. I do a lot of research to make sure that people are in there for pot-only offenses and um, just trying to spread their story. A lot of people don't realize uh, the 
how intense it is and how many people go to prison. We have a, a Jimmy Romans, James Romans, he was serving a life without the possibility of parole sentence. And his case was a dry case. Uh, it's a ghost case, meaning he was never busted with any weed or any seed. It was a confidential informant who had said that he was bringing pot from Mexico up to Indiana. And he was... Um, he went to court in, in a state case in Indiana, and he won. Um, the feds later picked up his case, and they, because he was charged with conspiracy to um, distribute and intent to distribute marijuana. And they looked all over Indiana, said the state of Indiana said, no, we're not going to cover this case. We don't want anything to do with it. So they went to Texas, because a conspiracy starts from the beginning to the end. So if he transported pot through these venues, any jurisdiction in Texas, they could then press charges, and they found a little venue that said, Jimmy may have driven through our, our, our county, and therefore we're going to go ahead and prosecute on a conspiracy charge. And there was about four people, and they all um, testified ag against their wrongdoing at everybody else's trial, and Jimmy ended up getting life. Um, this year his sentence was reduced to 30 years, but he's 46 years old, so I call that a de facto life. So by the time he gets out, his entire life is gone. And so I think people really need to understand that just because you're complying with the law, it doesn't mean that you're not breaking it, right? Because we're all federally disobedient. At any given time, you can have a dual task force that hooks up with your local law enforcement, um, creates a task force, um, does an investigation, and then raid you and what a lot of people and arrest you and incarcerate you. And a lot of people don't understand that this is what we call an affirmative defense. And sadly, the burden of proof switches from the prosecutor to the defendant so that you have to prove you were complying with the law. And if this happens to be like a joint task force with the feds, you know, as well as I do in a federal court of law, there's uh, little to no defense when it comes to marijuana. So you're going to either look at a mandatory minimum of five years or you're going to take a plea deal at 18 months. Either way, your mandatory minimum, you're going to do time if you're arrested on the federal charges. So I think people really need to be aware of this um, injustice that's happening in our system and so I really just try to spread the message and let people know about their rights you know like always remain silent and never consent to a search and whatnot right 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 I mean it's it's you know that's just a lot of information you know for me even like I mean I'm not an attorney you know but it seems like you know you're very involved and do you work closely with attorneys or mostly when you correspond are, are these with the actual you know individuals that are you know currently you know um, in prison Actually, I do both. So I work directly with a lot of attorneys, and I probably sat in more. <laughs> I probably have more court hours than most attorneys that you know. Um, most people don't enjoy sitting in a courtroom and listening to a marijuana jury trial, but it's so educational and it's so informative that um, it really allows me to give the opportunity to spread some good information. And I have worked uh, diligently with a lot of attorneys, and I've done things like jury selection uh, because. I, I tend to fit a stereotype for cannabis, and so you can really read a lot of jurors' faces when they come in, and so I can give my opinion on who I think uh, uh, an attorney should do. And I also work closely with a lot of people who are expert witnesses, and anybody who's been through a, a marijuana case knows that an expert witness is crucial to getting your case either dismissed or to have a not guilty verdict or even a hung jury. So um, expert witnesses could be anybody who is an avid cultivator who could um, testify in a court saying that it's impossible that those seven plants or those four plants could have yielded 100 pounds or no, 
I am a collective and I sell cannabis and that's not what pot goes for. Um, it could also be somebody who may be an, a judge, or I mean like an attorney, and it could also be somebody uh, like the conversation I had with you prior uh, yesterday, Alice O'Leary, who is a nurse, but um, her husband had a medical necessity defense. So she would be somebody who could testify for either a medical necessity defense or just just to help combat anything that the prosecutor could say. You know, and, and another thing, like if you're a collective operator, um, I've seen a DEA bring in an accountant, and this is really amazing. You can use the DEA's, like an accountant, because numbers don't lie, you can use that, that witness to help justify your tax or your write-off saying, no, look, I've obviously, how much do you think this would have costed, this computer or this cash register or this calculator or the paper, and that, that, that accountant can then testify that, yes, these are normal operating expenses, and that just goes to show, especially in a state like California where you can't operate for profit as a medical marijuana dispensary, these are ways to show that you have expenses as well. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, we're getting close to taking a break, but I mean, for those that are just listening in, we have uh, P- uh, Adela here with POW420. She's just telling us, you know, um, a little bit more about, you know, obviously, you, you know, individuals that's getting incarcerated for cannabis. Um, you know, Adela, I mean, it, it, that, that right there alone for me, just listening to you for this first segment, you know, I just realized that when we use the word cannabis and jail together, you know, you just gave me a whole different definition of what I imaginally thought originally. Because when I thought of that, it was just like saying someone like me when I was young, right? You know, I got caught with a bag on the streets because I went to just go pick up a dime sack or something. You know what I mean? Um, or someone that maybe that is distributing, you know, in the black market, right? So these individuals that you're speaking of could, where they're incarcerated, could be individuals that maybe are licensed to be a cultivator or a dispensary. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And some of these people, some of the cultivators as well, could be 100% sponsoring a can of child. So they're growing excessive amounts of plants so that they can make oil for this child who could be like using, I don't know, five grams a day of cannabis oil. So they have to grow more plants, better quality, uh, and, and be able to provide it to the parents at a minimal cost. And so I've seen cultivators go down. I've seen legal collective operators go down on federal rules, federal law, because you can't have a medical marijuana dispensary in a federal court. You just can't use it. Um, I've even seen uh, Weldon Angelos. He just got out. He was sentenced to 55 years in prison. He was a five-year charge for the marijuana charges, and he had two guns that his grandfather gave him, and his grandfather testified in a court of law that those were his guns. He got 25 years for each gun, a total sentence of 55 years. Yes, and there you guys, you know, I mean, guns, you know. yes, absolutely. And, and, and that's why, you know, I've heard so many times when people says free the plants and the war on drugs, you know, some individuals that are facing all this time, uh, you know, me personally, I have my own personal opinion about that, you know, about people facing time and how long they should face time and what's the amount of time that they should face. Um, but we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, you know, we're going to learn a little bit more and speak a little bit more uh, with Adela and then who she is and how she even came about to where she's at now with POW, uh, I'm sorry, POW420. So let's go ahead and take a break. More real stories from real people spreading the real truth about cannabis on Alternative Talk when we return. 
Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest-growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. Welcome back to Alternative Talk, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and we're back from the break. Everybody, thank you for uh, listening in. For those that are just tuning in, we have Adela here from POW420. Um, you know, we appreciate uh, you guys focusing on today's uh, episode. Um, you know, Adela, you were telling us, you know, before the break of how, you know, some individuals that were, you know, thinking that they're compliance and then all of a sudden they're facing, uh, facing you know, these uh, charges or, you know, now in, in, in the judici- judicial system uh, could possibly be facing time, correct? Um, so, you know, how did you, you know, how did you come all about, you know, to where you're at now with POW420? Uh, is this something that you just, you know, decided to say, hey, I'm going to reach out to people and just write them because I want to, you know, um, correspond and see what their stories are? Or how did you go about to where you are now? Um, well, I voted yes for Prop 215 in 1996 and um, got into, I've been, I've been a patient uh, since then and I got into the canna industry in about 2007 in San Diego, California. I was a compassionate use operator, also known as a, a collective, a co-op. And um, I got a cease and desist from neighborhood co-compliance. Co- co- I got a cease and desist from Attorney General, I mean, Attorney uh, Jan Goldsmith, and then I got a cease and desist from District Attorney Bonnie Dumanis. Then I got a cease and desist from Laura Duffy, uh, California Attorney General, and then I got a cease and desist from the DEA, and that's when I decided I should close my doors. Um, during that time, I had also had a delivery service, and I had watched at least 100 delivery services and about 50 collectives get raided, and um, 
I was like, well, this is insane, you know? And, and I was like, I can't believe that they're just the DEA is just going after these people. And, and this was in San Diego at the time. We had had so many raids and arrests. We were California's raid capital. And um, I started going because, you know, your, your fellow, these are your fellow people. They're your friends or your companions. You know, you, you hang out with them. You know, you go to events with them. And I started, decided to sit in their court cases and learn what they were going through and maybe how to protect myself um, in the future. And I started to see growers getting arrested and children being took away. And I was like, it really didn't matter what part of this industry you're at. I mean, I've, I've worked for a CO2 company. I've worked for a butane extraction company. I helped my friend set up an I-502 grow in Washington. And no matter where I went, people were getting arrested for a pot. Did you know that in, Cal- in America, every 36 seconds, someone is arrested for cannabis? I didn't and know let's that. Just- yeah. Let's average that up to a minute. What is there, 1,400 minutes, 1,440 minutes or something in a day? That's 1,400 cannabis arrests nationwide in the United States of America. See, President Nixon declared this war on drugs, right? And when you say drugs, right, marijuana is a controlled substance, Schedule One, meaning it, according to the government, it has no medicinal value and it's highly addictive. So if that war on drugs was founded by a president, this is a war on the United States of America, a war on their citizens. We have 5% of the world's population, but we have 25% of the world's prison population. 25% of the world's prison population. You know what? 60%, whether they're in jails, state prisons or federal prisons are there for drug offenders. Now you ask yourself, how many are there for pot? Why in the world are we putting nonviolent cannabis offenders in there with murderers and rapists? Why, and even if that's the case, why aren't we educating our community and our, and, our, and our governing bodies about addiction? You know, the UN has declared that people who use drugs are considered to have some sort of brain damage, and using cannabis, I actually watch this at the UN in New York, using cannabis can help fix that brain damage. So when somebody is addicted to drugs, they're not acting in their normal response. And we have a punitive approach to the war on drugs, meaning we go for the manufacturers. So we're looking, we're taking away the producers of these drugs versus worrying about a human and coming with a demand. We're, we're worrying about supply. We're not worrying about demand. Demand takes a human harm reduction approach. We're going after the individual and fixing their addiction, right? So if we could free up our jails of 60% of the people that are there for either actual drug addiction um, uh, um, crimes and nonviolent cannabis offenders, 60% of our prisons and jails would be free. 60% of those people, the cops would no longer have to focus on. We could put people through rehabilitation um, for their drug abuse and figure out what their problem is that's making them have this desire to do drugs and what are they escaping from. We can fix that and we can really focus on some real crimes. And it's sad that cannabis offenders seem to be lumped into this because I know that marijuana is not addictive. I know that marijuana has never killed anybody a day in my life or in anybody's life in the existence of human beings. But yet our government doesn't seem to be able to understand that. And it's because their paycheck depends on them not being able to see it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, too, is, you know, going back onto what you're saying, if someone like, for example, the times that I didn't have an officer to, you know, greatly say, dump that dime sack in front of me right now. And if I was to get arrested, I mean, you know, like you hear the stories 
of how many individuals that are repeat offenders because why because they get lost in the system i believe you know when you put a, someone that young that now lost them maybe a guidance because many of us has lost guidance you know when we we're younger in teenage years um even myself right uh, but if you now put a person or individual uh, into a, maybe a system, like you said, with murderers, with, you know, individuals that are robbers, you know, doing things that uh, they're not supposed to do, right, while they're in prison. Um, and, and, you know, what kind of life now would this person, you know, live? I mean, they're not in there for a little short time. I mean, there are some that are in there for, like you said, what, 25 years, 10 years? Life. Uh, life. life. You know, life. Without the possibility of parole. Right. Without the right. possibility. Charles Manson has this possibility of parole. He's been up for parole like five times. He's been denied. But he has the ability to get out one day. Like Jeff Mazansky here in Missouri, he was a habitual offender. Three times he'd been arrested for pot. And he paid the fine off because he thought, oh, it's just marijuana. The third time he got arrested, they slapped him with the habitual offender life without the possibility of parole. He's like, oh, if I would have realized that, I would have fought those first charges when I got arrested for a 20 sack. I would have totally fought that in a jury trial. I had a family and I owned a business. I just wanted to pay this and move on with my life. Mm -hmm. He didn't realize that all of this could be later used against him. He spent 23 years in prison until we finally got him free and he walked out two years ago. It's it's really amazing. So they say, oh, the death penalty. You know, other countries do the death penalty for pot. Well, so do we. Mm -hmm. You know, what's what's worse? And and I'm not... I'm against the death penalty, but either way, if you're going to kill somebody, it's over. Some of these people spent 30, 40 years in prison until they pass away and they die in prison. Right. I mean, and, how, and how is that justice? What if, what if the prison sentence doesn't have to necessarily be in jail or prison? Because that life sentence could be, for example, that young child that was put into the system and now it's a part of it for the rest of their life because it's altered the way they've thought, altered the way they've you know been thinking. Or... What if that, you know, growing maybe in a lower income community, right, where now their life situation is a lot different, you know, maybe oh, saying, they hey. don't qualify for public housing and for welfare and for, they don't qualify for food stamps. Once you're a marijuana felon, you don't qualify for, for student loans. You don't qualify for any of it. Mm-hmm. So it could be maybe like some kid, maybe, for example, like, uh, in college and just decide to say, hey, I just want to experiment, for example, just like having a drink, right, or a cigarette. And all of a sudden now someone is arrested because maybe possibly of a joint, right, or, or anything. And now they're in the legal system and saying, I have to go to court. I'm on probation. So now I can't be on the football team or I can't be on the cheerleading squad or whichever it is, right? Like you said, I can't get the uh, grant that I wanted to to go to the community college so I can get a certification or whatever it is to further my career. Um, you know, yeah. so these life sentences, I mean, you know, it, it's really tough, you know, whether you're in the judicial system or whether you're part of it and then you're out of it. You know, like I said, I myself, like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I told my parents, I'm like, if something happens to me, this is what I'm doing. I'm involved in the medical cannabis industry. You guys know that I love my family. I love my kids. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, do anything to try to, you know, jeopardize anybody, you know, and um, because it's scary. You know, because, you know, it's a scary thought, right? Just the fact that it's just, who wants to be in jail? No, you're absolutely right. So. And you mentioned uh, child. And if you have a child um, in your house and you're cultivating, using, and possession of cannabis, it could be child endangerment. Um, It could be neglect. And you can now lose your child. And I've seen this happen repeatedly. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, being on parole and being on jail. And, you, you know, I want people to understand. The cop... 
that writes you the ticket or arrests you works for the state. The attorney that you hire is licensed by the state. The prosecutor that wants to put you in jail or prison works for the state. The judge that oversees your court proceedings works for the state. The jail in the prison that you go to and every single employee in there works for the state. The probation, the parole officer works for the state. All fines and fees that you pay go to the court goes to the state. See, the state... It, they want us to believe that they're working for us, but they're not. This is a system that's set up to benefit the state. And if there were very few arrests, it wouldn't be good for them, right? They wouldn't be good for their pay, for their career, for their pensions, for their retirement, or for the employees of the state. So it's in their best interest to continue to create and work in a police state. See, the more arresting and jailing you have of the citizens, the more secure their jobs are. People sadly believe that the state is here to serve and protect us and represent we, the people, but the reality is that they're not. And occasionally, right, like, like a lottery winner, a citizen, like you may win, and a citizen may get justice in their system, but it's, hell, it's only there to keep, the, keep up the illusion of the system is really working. But in essence, it's not. Right, right. And you know what? I mean... That that was a lot. I mean, but we're going to take I mean, no, that's okay because it just took me by a while, right? Um we're going to take a quick break though for those that are listening. We do appreciate it. Uh you know, with with we're with Adela from POW420. Uh when we get back from the break, we're going to get a little bit back more into what uh we had discussed and uh and the uh, show with Adela. So, uh let's take a break. More real stories from real people spreading the real truth about cannabis on Alternative Talk when we return. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Bringing quality of living to life. Welcome back to Alternative Talk, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on our last segment of the show with Adela from POW420. Uh, just before the break, you know, Adela was just going over, you know, a lot of things about how, you know, um, one can be, you know, in placed into the judicial system, right, by breaking the law or at least what 
you know, one would say someone is breaking the law to be in trouble. Um, Adela, uh, just before the break, um, you know, you were just telling how, you know, uh, police officers works for the state, you know, so and so and so. Um, I myself, you know, have many friends uh, and family, you know, that serves this country uh, that are, you know, a, a with the authorities, right, whether it's police officers, um, you know, even my attorney, like I'm really great friends with him. Um, you know, I'm really appreciative, you know, of, of the individuals that has protect and served our country um, and our communities. You know, um, I, I'm grateful for that. So my thing is, you know, there's I, I see both sides because I hear it because it's my Facebook feed. You know, there's individuals that are really upset with authorities and the government. Um, you know, I myself, you know, I feel that, you know, I believe that we can all work together and uh, make this a better place. Um, first, we have to learn as to how to understand each other. Um, you know, Adela, with what you're doing, I think it's great to let people really understand is, you know, there are people that are really incarcerated just because of this plant. Is that correct? So, Even if you, you know, out of, so I have a nationwide database, right, at pw420.com prisoners. It's called just pop prisoners. And I've got every single state listed. It's an interactive map. So you can just click on the state that you live in. And anybody that I found, I got their picture and their contact information, their date of birth, because I do a birthday drive for them, um, how to directly donate to the pop prisoners so that you don't have to worry about a middleman and you know their money is going directly to them. But I also allow them to, to share their story. But what I've discovered in all of this is that California has more pop prisoners and more cannabis arrests than any other state. I will tell you, though, that Louisiana has more lifers, and Texas is a close second to California, um, which I think is pretty interesting, and I'm going to speculate on why I think it is. They've had 20-something years to figure out how to get and find the gray areas, right? Because regulation is not legalization, right? And people need to remember that. If there's any way that somehow I broke regulations, I can still be arrested, um, raided, and incarcerated because I somehow fell, fell out of compliance. That's why you have compliance checks or knock and talks, right? Um, so you have to understand just because your state is regulated, it doesn't mean that you're protected by any means. If you're only allowed to have a 24-square-foot um, uh, grow area and you happen to put your nutrients outside of the grow area and you have a compliance check and they come in and that's outside of it, you, you could be found and, um, and arrested for that. So you have to be careful that things aren't... You know, Lance Glore, who was operating as a collective in Washington uh, two years ago, was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. It didn't matter that he complied with the state laws. The feds came after him. And once the feds come after you, you have no defense. Occasionally, there's a medical necessity defense, but that's a really, really hard defense to get. So I just, I, I tell everybody in the new states to have regulations coming up. How hard is it to put in there that within 30 days of passing this, Anybody who's arrested or incarcerated, had been arrested or incarcerated for cannabis, can have their records expunged or should be released immediately from prison. Or if you have a state that's putting ailment-only restrictions, like California's Prop 215 did this, 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 you know, migraines and cancer and, and whatever, the very last sentence it says, and or any other ailment to whom which cannabis causes relief right? Because now I can say, well, that's where anxiety came from. But cannabis is really, truly good with anxiety. So you just have to be really careful. And we should be learning from history. And I find that it's not happening. You have places like Pennsylvania and New York that have absolutely no grows. And the only pot you could buy is, is medicinal oil. You know what I mean? No flowers, no combustion, no smoking. And it's just... I, I, we need a science-based approach to ending this war on drugs, right? We should let science lead the way and not, not 
I'm all for anecdotal evidence, right? Cannabis helps you, it helps me, it helps people. We could prove that. But if we come at people with a science-based approach or logic and statistics, like explaining to your Congress representative that it costs $60 a day to keep an inmate incarcerated, one day, an average of $60 a day that taxpayers pay for, and then you go to them with a list of every single pot prisoner that your taxpayer money is paying for in the state and saying, I'm done with this. I don't want this to happen. And the more you know about these pot prisoner stories, the easier it is to have this conversation about not just judicial reform, but ending cannabis prohibition and how prohibition is really, truly affecting and influencing everybody, even if you don't use cannabis. Everybody knows somebody that does. And when I go to events and I ask everybody, if anybody here has been arrested for cannabis, please raise your hand. I tell you, 99% of the people raise their hand, including yes. myself. Unfortunately, so, Unfortunately. Unfortunately. You know. Yes, yes. And, and also, what? I mean... Most of the time they let them search them or they let them... They, they talk. They, they, they spill their guts. You know, they don't... They're scared. They want to comply with the officers instead of just saying, no, I'm not going to talk. I need my attorney and I, I don't consent. If you consent... See, people don't understand. If you consent to a search and they find something in your car because you don't know what passenger you may have had in there that may have dropped a roach or a bud or whatever may have been on the bottom of their shoe and they find something in your car, you can't ask the judge to dismiss the evidence because you didn't, you consented. So anything they find can and will be used against you in a court of law. But if you said no, I can go in an evidentiary hearing and ask for all the evidence that you found to be dismissed because you violated my constitutional right. You did not have a warrant to search my car and I never consented. So Absolutely. I always tell people if you're really worried and you have pot in your car and you're getting pulled over and you're terrified that something's going to happen, you tell everybody to roll up their windows and when the cop asks you to get out, you tell everybody to lock the door behind you. And now they have to break your windows to get in and they can't do that without a warrant. Call a tow truck and tow it to your parents' house. Well, <laughs> folks, I mean, there you have <laughs> it. You know, um, it's okay. Um, you know, So, Adela, let me just real quick. I mean, where can we find the information more about POW 420? We do, you know, we are at the uh, end of the show. I'd um, like to be able to, you know, give you a chance just to, you know, give the audience where we can find out more information. Um, is that where is that? www420, I'm sorry, POW420.com? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, more information as well uh, on CannabisRadio.com and AlternativeVibes.com. So we appreciate everybody listening in. Unfortunately, you know, our time is up for the day and for the show. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next show. And once again, thank you, POW420 and Adela Falk. Thank you so much. God bless everybody. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.